You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. It's time to get all your Star Wars news in a single file. This is Cannon Fodder. Here are your hosts, Mark Mocaster, Brian Cameron, Matt Booker, and Mark Newbold. Grab your bookmarks, it's time to take cover as we unleash the cannon fodder over the Star Wars galaxy of literature. Cannon Fodder is the home on Fanthatracks Radio for everything Star Wars literature, from comics, books, magazines, to part works. We delve below the depths of the covers as what is new in Star Wars literature, analyse it and give it our honest assessment. We cast our eyes to the future and see what releases we can't wait to read, look back at classic releases, meet and talk with the talent creating the content, as well as discuss the latest literature news. On this special edition of Cannon Fodder, we're at New York Comic Con 2022, meeting the creators in Artist Alley. New York Comic Con 2022 saw a plethora of authors and artists return to Artist Alley at the Java Center in New York, and that's where Mark Newbold and Matt Booker headed across the four days of the show to catch up with author Ethan Sachs and artist Will Sliney, colorist Rochelle Rosenberg, author Claudia Gray, and writer Elisa Wong. Listen to what they had to say on this special New York Comic Con 2022 episode of Cannon Fodder. We're here at New York Comic Con. I'm here with Ethan and Will. We're going to talk all about Star Wars, believe it or not. Yay! So, I'll start with both. Whichever one of you wants to pitch in first, what was your first experience with Star Wars at all as a kid, as an adult, wherever you started? Uh, so, I have to age myself when I, when I say this, but I, my first memory ever is being a four-year-old in a New York... City Times Square Theater, seeing the the original movie as a four-year-old, and my father who passed away in 1995. It's like he's still there. Like the memory is so clear, uh, and it changed my life. I, I've had the opportunity to uh, tell George Lucas, and he did not find this funny, but I did tell him that had I never seen Star Wars, instead of growing up to be uh, at that time a journalist, um, I might have been a successful business person. So thank you, George, for. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he didn't find that funny either. So. <laughs> I got it. He found it as funny as Will found it. Yeah. Me, so we used to, used to be, uh, the way you'd rent videos in this little fishing village where I'm from was uh, uh, a van would drive in, uh, like a portable video yeah, yeah. hiring shop. What you call, what's the right name for that? Place? Like a portable blockbuster. I don't, I don't think there is a right name and for yeah, a van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, whatever it was, I think it was raining, so my mom was like, I'll go up and get you get the video. You usually go up and you get it, whatever. And she comes back with Star Wars. And I was like, Mom, I've already seen Star Wars. You know, and, and little did I realize there was more than one Star Wars yes. movie. It was Empire Strikes Back. And we put it on, and me, my brother, and my sister were like, oh my god and it just went from this like one movie to this massive expanded thing and I don't think I'd experienced anything like that before and that was it then, so. and so presumably I mean it's an obvious question that magic has stayed with the pair of you ever since no we just phoned Star Wars stuff in like, it's, uh, yeah, just... he's, he's like emotionally <laughs> five still he has not grown up at all since that whatever you're doing it, it's working no of course it is and like, 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 you, like you grow up playing with these toys and then, then all of a sudden if you grow up and you can continue you playing with those toys for your job and it just happens if you break one of the toys that's the canonically what happens with it yeah, it's yeah. it's a, it's an amazing thing to be a part of quick question mm. palatoyal kenner say what palatoyal kenner 
Uh, you are losing me because I was never understood that when I was younger. Uh, so that was a, a, a side of Star Wars that I didn't get. You st- you're well out of it. Yep. It's a deep dark rabbit hole you don't need to go down. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. when you two guys got together for the... You've done multiple projects now. Yeah. Which one? Which was the first one and how did that come to Galaxy's be? Edge was the first one we worked together on. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a really challenging one because... More challenging for Will than for me because he had to draw a place that wasn't built yet. They were in the process of building it, and some idiot put on page two, three of the very first script a two-page splash that showed an aerial view of the entire spaceport that didn't exist yet. There it is. What a fool! Yes. So just so that you can see, this place was not built yet, (laughs) and I put it in the script. But it definitely was a surreal experience drawing somewhere that you knew didn't physically exist, that will physically exist. Yes. And the so first thing I saw... Everything he got wrong, <laughs> people would know for all time. But, but literally, like, the yeah. first thing I saw, I walked in, there was a little kid, and the kid was like this. Yeah. And he's looking at that page, and he's comparing the building, and he's like, wow, okay, I'm yeah. glad we put the work in to make sure it's all right. Yeah. So what I actually did was, they had this uh, scale model revealed, yeah. Yeah. so I got as many photos of that could. I built out a 3D model of where the buildings are. Oh, wow. So I'd kind of move the camera down so that's in the background there when you're at this point to make sure everything was in the right position. And with a project so. like that, because obviously Galaxy's Head just come out, yeah. Marvel of getting involved, it's a multimedia kind of thing. Yeah. What was the challenge for, as a writer, for example, what was the challenge of, because it's very clear what your well, challenge for was. For me, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see, the, the challenge for me was to sort of juggle the different eras a little yeah. bit, but also make a story that held together, because I didn't want it to be like an anthology where here's an issue, and if you miss issue two, who cares, because there's a, a completely different story. So finding that sort of framing story, and in our case, it was a heist in the first, in the first one and a sort of pirate chase in the second one. That was a little bit of a challenge, but honestly, to get to tell the sort of history of these places that so many kids and, and Star Wars fans are going to go and physically get to, it was a, it was a privilege, and I just loved every minute. Hi, this is Amy Ratcliffe, and you're listening to Fanta Tracks. You've worked together, and we'll yes. come back to that because there's more to talk Who about. Who are you, and how did you get this number? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, no, we did. We did. Yeah. But you've worked individually as well. Yes. Uh, Ethan, Bounty Hunters. Yes. As a, as a fan of 90s Star Wars, Bounty Hunters absolutely makes me smile every month. Well, that's great. How much fun has it been for you to dive into that era of, uh, you know, that kind of vibe of Star Wars, it's, if that makes sense? It's been, a, it's been such a blast for, for many reasons, like one of which is we get to play with these characters that are both iconic and at the same time kind of free from some of the constraints of, of some of the sort of bigger legacy characters. So we can we can mess them up pretty badly yeah. without destroying <laughs> your childhood, you know, your childhood memories of Return of the Jedi or anything like that. So so that's fun. And just also to play in that sort of dark street level, you know, among characters that don't really care if the Empire or the Rebellion win because it doesn't affect their lives. Like they're still gonna be sort of doing doing uh, either their bounties or their assassinations or whatever. Uh, so that's been, that's just been a fun and kind of very uh, freeing experience. And you're what, 27, 28 issues in now? Still yeah, 28 comes it? out this month. 
Uh, we have a plan for, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but we've, we've got like at least another two years planned. So, so uh, you'll be sick of hearing my voice by uh, in these interviews by that time. No, 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 no. Yeah. And Will, boys of Carlo Ren. Yeah. Absolute joy to watch. Enjoy to draw. Take it in. Yeah how, yeah, how enjoyable was that for you? Uh, a lot. Yeah, it, it felt really important when we were doing it. Like the like the, the way the build up to it. Like we were. It, it, it was actually the book that I was given the most time to prepare on with the character designs because they were so important. Uh, so it was a lovely process. It was the first time I got to work with Charles, who I'd known for years, but before we both broke in. So that was lovely as well. Um, it was just intense. Um, it, it, it was a really visceral story I guess as well uh, and it really got to bring a lot to a character that's so pivotal to yeah. Star Wars I guess you know um, and it, oh, like, like I, I feel a, a big strong connection to that book definitely yeah. Is, yeah. and because of that because Kylo a lot of the sequel trilogy characters haven't been fleshed out as much as they will be over time yeah. was it enjoyable to just get a hook on that character and go for it definitely and, and, and the characters we got to create like, like you see Ren now popping up in other books as well and Christian Slater plays him in the, the Halloween story which is awesome you know uh, little things like that how, how the, that world from that book is spreading around the place is awesome it's the same with Galaxy's Edge and stuff like you never know these characters that you create you'll never know where they'll pop up so the, the three characters we created for Galaxy's Edge started appearing in other books as well and it's awesome to see even just other artists draw these characters and where they go and where they end up and yet it all works it all interconnects it all you know fits together uh, and both sides of that are really good to be, to be a part of you could say that Galaxy's Edge was a tricky assignment because of what it was and then Halcyon yeah. Legacy equally but yeah. they brought you guys back because you did such a good yes. job on the first one what was the what was the trickiest element of making that work as a project that stands on its own I mean I think uh, to be blunt it where we boarded the project, there wasn't as much ready for us to see. You know, they were still casting like some of the actors as an example. So once again, it was harder for, for Will than for me. Uh, so really, it was it was not challenging at all for me. It's, 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 it's easy to write, draw a corridor of a ship. It's that hard to draw the corridor ship when it doesn't exist yet, and it will. So uh, of course, there's, there's balancing stuff like that, but that's part of the project because they're working as hard as they can to build this and make it the best yes. they possibly can. So of course, it's going to evolve and change, and it's based off of all of this incredible concept art, but then the builders are making it bring their own part to it as well. And then it's our job to really make it fit into that world because, you know, there are are going to be so many like, I, I think Galaxy's Edge and Hilton Legacy will sell forever because kids that are in those locations are going to want to read those stories yeah. and you want to make sure that I they work yeah. yeah 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 and that they're right and when they're looking at the stuff around there they're like this is exactly where I am yeah. it's set here so it feels even more like I'm there and I learn more about this world and from a writing point of view a story is a story and you want to find the kernel of that and, and, and stretch yeah. and work it in I think Halcyon Legacy especially was very satisfying because it is a, like that ship has this history that that starts from the era of the High Republic and goes, you know, well into the sequel era. Mm -hmm. So to be able to tell essentially six eras, uh, that was amazing. And we also got to kind of cherry pick the characters we wanted to tell, like yeah. to get to tell an Anakin story and then to get to tell this weird heist story yeah, with awesome. with Lando and Hondo. I mean, it's. Yeah. Um, it was the first story that went past through all five different eras of Star Wars, yeah. wasn't it? Like, that was an amazing yeah. to do, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
And given you both doing all the things as well, obviously, but given that you've got over a separated now. Uh, I was going to say air quotes. I used to do podcasts. I can actually do air quotes. <laughs> you've got over the hurdle of, of these. Te- you know, what could be tricky tasks of bringing these into comics? Would you enjoy another Galaxy's Edge? Oh, yes, yes, the yes. They're just going to have to expand the theme park, aren't yes. they, to well, give us another story to play in. So, yeah. yeah. I've no problem with that. Yeah, no, I mean, we originally had, before the Alcyon, we had an idea for a sequel to Galaxy's Edge. Mm. I mean, we, you know, first of all, uh, the sky's the limit, yeah. literally and, and figuratively. Like, we could easily tell more stories there. It's a it's a, a very rich setting. Yeah, you've been there, haven't you? Like, yeah. you, like yeah. you feel like you're in that world. It's just yeah. amazing. They, they brought us over before it opened. So, I, I being an Irishman, I went to the bar. I was the only person in the cantina. And I could, on pretty much. Yeah. And just, just drink. Is that what it's called now? Uh, it's, it's, uh, what's, what's the bar called? The cantina. Oh, this cantina. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just kind of sitting there and just was like, I guess I'll have another drink then because yeah. that barman looks bored or whatever. And <laughs> it was just so surreal being in that place by myself. Just kind of, this feels like I'm actually there, like, you know. Yeah. And we got to do the Falcon and all that. We got a, a preview of Resistance. I crashed, probably. Crashed so we got home. So he punched it. Oh, no, who I did punched punch it? Did you punch it? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Did we, we do have another idea for a story for Galaxy's Oh, here we go. So you've heard this. You've heard the this bins. hashtag, this bins up into hashtag. Of course. How could we not hear it? It's everywhere. When the trade We've, comes out. Well, we, we have pitched the idea. Since it was brought to us yesterday, we okay. have pitched it to Marvel. <laughs> Good. And we were both fired. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. yes. So we're, our, our run on Star Wars so, is so in. So now you can pick up uh, my new image book called <laughs> Hell to Pay, which comes out next week. I can't do Star Wars anymore. But I brought Charles over yes, for they, they threw our career in the bin. <laughs> our career went in the bin, <laughs> along with the bin. We tried so. to do a varied cover with just yes. the bin on, like just the bin on the front, yeah. and like you could literally put rubbish through a hole in it and everything. But no, no. no I, I believe their the editor's exact words were, "This script belongs in a bin." Yes. Oh. So yeah. okay. I thought yeah. I nailed the assignment. So we should just stick to covering news and leave you guys to do the. <laughs> Stop ruining episode. our careers. Okay, that sounds fair. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank no you for having us. Yeah, yeah, we're we're yeah. fans of, of your work. So yeah, yeah. Thank oh, you. thank you. Yeah. Hello, I'm Dennis Lawson, and you're listening to Fanfa Tracks. So I'm here with Michelle. We're at the Artist Alley at New York Comic Con. We're going to talk a little bit about your work on Star Wars. Okay. First things first, and I ask this always to everybody, where was your entry point for Star Wars? What was the first thing you really remember of Star Wars? Uh, I was raised on Star Wars, so gosh, I'm going to age myself, I'm probably six, seven years old, watching the original uh, at my grandma's house every time I was over there, watching Star Wars, uh, over and over and over, just love the characters, love the scenery, I mean everything, the story, so yeah, I mean, I grew up on Star Wars, so to be working on so many Star Wars books for Marvel is just like an incredible like dream come true. Looking at your list of works, I, I didn't realize that you came in actually at the back end of the Dark Horse series, The Legacy. Oh, yes. Yep. So that was my first uh, work on Star Wars. And then I actually had to bow out of that series a little early because I signed an exclusivity agreement with Marvel. And then shortly after signing that, Marvel took over or Disney took over Marvel yeah. and they own Lucasfilm, so, yeah. yeah. You must have been thrilled when that happened. Yeah, so then I went back on Star Wars, which was amazing. <laughs> and what was the next series that you jumped onto? What was your first Marvel series? 
Uh, my first Marvel series. Afro was fairly early. Was it Rogue One was fairly early? Oh, Rogue One, yeah. Uh, Rogue One might have been my first series that was all me. Um, a Star Wars movie adaptation is always a big deal, like a Star Wars novel adaptation. Yeah. Feel the pressure of that? Was that a good pressure? Yeah. What's kind of nice about the the adaptation? So I'm doing Mandalorian right now, also. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, is you have the movie and the films to kind of go off of, yeah. and. So what I did was I bought like all the art books on like Rogue One and yeah. The Mandalorian yeah. and kind of used that as inspiration because the art itself, aside from the films, is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, anyone that's seen The Mandalorian and the, the end credits of all the art, um, it's absolutely beautiful. And so I try to use that as much as I can. Um, Lucasfilm is very specific with colors um, so sometimes they would actually have me change stuff because as beautiful as you know their concept art is they want it to look exactly like the film so even if the concept art has like this beautiful orange sun set yeah they want blue skies <laughs> so when you get into something like Dr. Afro which is an original you know, presumably you've got more scope because that show, that yes. show, it's always been known amongst many things, but just the vivid nature of it, it's a bouncy, energetic yep. comic and the colours match that. Yes, um, so Dr. Afra is actually a lot easier to work on because of that. Uh, we have a lot more freedom, I feel like, even with the storytelling, uh, and so the colours also have more freedom. Um, I can get... Uh, more comic booky, I guess you could yeah. say, with the colors. Um, I don't have to stay so true to the the Lucasfilm Star Wars uh, color realm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Enjoy that. yes, I do enjoy that. Yeah, because you've done other work for TV, huh? you've done other work for Marvel, and obviously yeah. that's very much in the comic yep. realm. So yep. Is that an aesthetic you enjoy? Uh, yeah, I. I feel like there should be some artistic license uh, when working on uh, any of the comic books. Um, unfortunately, Lucasfilm just, they want their worlds to all like coincide. And I do appreciate that. Like, it's, you know, working on uh, sequential art, it's frustrating to me when I'm coloring something and I'm like, this is not drawn the same as it was last issue, you know, because I, as a, a fan of comics, want things to look, you know, it's the same. Yeah. So um, I do appreciate that, but at the same time, I do wish they would allow a little bit more freedom on certain things. And I do try to push back on some things, um, but their editors are definitely uh, true to form. So. <laughs> That makes sense. That makes sense. Do you think colouring in general gets the, the appreciation that it deserves? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it does feel overlooked sometimes. When we review stuff on Panther, you always make a point of, of mentioning the colourist because you, you're part of the art scene. So often it's just the pencil and the ink. Yeah, and I, pre I appreciate everyone that uh, I've had a couple of podcasts come by and they're like, we always like mention the, the colourist and I definitely appreciate that. I. I think coloring is a huge part of the team yeah. and it can get frustrating when we kind of get left behind because 
you know, sometimes we're the ones that are getting the books out on time, you know, um, and it's not like it's a white and black book that's going out. It's in color, and that is a huge, I do think it's a huge part of the storytelling uh, process, so... Finally, eventually working on Mandalorian. Yes, you enjoying that? I love it. Yes, I um, actually, when the series first came out, I had said something to the Star Wars team, and I was like, if "This ever becomes a comic, <laughs> I'm here." Yeah. <laughs> and then, sure enough, uh, Mark Hannick, who runs the Star Wars office right now, uh, he uh, sent me an email, and he was like, "So, got Mandalorian coming up. You want to color?" And I was like, "Yes." Yes, 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 yes. So I'm a huge Mandalorian fan. I have a little dog named Mando. Um, my daughter loves Grogu. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to be working on that. Wonderful. Well, I hope you're happy we're happy. Yes. Thanks, Vito. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much. For everything in one location daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video, and social media feeds, bookmark fanthatracks.com. For Star Wars News 24-7-365. So we're here at New York Comic Con. I'm here with Claudia Gray. Hi there. How are you? And how's life going? Uh, I am great. Uh, the convention has been fabulous so far. I saw one of my favorite cosplays I've ever seen. What? Yeah, this person, she was not dressed as a Valkyrie. She was dressed as Bugs Bunny, dressed as a Valkyrie. That's different. That was fantastic. I saw the big white gloves and I was like, oh, fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. Is that one of the things you like? Because you get out to a lot of shows and mm-hmm. see different people and different things. Do those kind of memories of like weird, quirky things, they're the things that stick in your head? A lot of times, yes. I mean, it's really amazing. I know, I mean, I was a fangirl who wrote a ton of fanfic for years and years and years. So it's not like I don't know how creative and active fans are. But with the cosplay, you really see in that one moment, like how much craft is involved, how much careful, you know, some of them are just so beautiful and so spectacular or so funny. I just think it's I think it's wonderful. I would never do it myself because with my sewing skills it would be, you know, I don't think there is any costume for like a lot of wadded up newspaper. That's not a character in anything, but I love seeing it. And when you're creating characters yourself, be it Star Wars or others, is that ever in your mind that someone's going to latch onto that character and get so granular they're going to want to know its inside leg measurement and make a costume of it? I, I don't think about it at the outset, but then later I get into it. I have to say, when I went to Celebration in May, my great hope was to see just one Geode cosplayer, and I saw three, which was fabulous. And how did you enjoy Celebration? Uh, it was great. It was fantastic. Uh, really enjoyed getting to meet everybody. Uh, you know, Star Wars Night at Disneyland yes. was pretty spectacular. It's like, yes, I will ride the Haunted Mansion for a third time. Watch <laughs> me go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was great. I very much hope I'm going to get to go to London next year. Well, we hope you get to come over to London. Yeah, well. that would be fantastic. I can't talk about too much because we're in the middle of a convention. There's announcements to be made and blah, 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 blah. Are we all looking at, well, have we got some really cool stuff to look forward to? That's the best way about it. You do. It's not going to be in 2023. I'm just doing the Phase 2 one-shot comic for 2023. I had other projects that I needed to work on. But I will say that some of the Star Wars stuff that I'm going to be working on for 2024 and 2025 
it, those are some of the projects I've been the most psyched to do out of anything I've done for Star Wars. So uh, that's that's my teaser. We'll take that. We'll take. We'll, <laughs> we won't push it any further. That sounds perfect. All right. It's always a joy to speak to you. Oh, it's great talking to you too. Thanks again. Hi, this is Julie Dolan, the voice of Princess Leia, and you're listening to Fanthatrax. It's your only hope. So we're here at New York Comic Con. I'm here with Alyssa. How are you doing? I'm doing well. My voice is completely shot because it is the last day of Comic Con, but I'm having such a great time. It gives you that husky Barry whiteness about you. That's kind of cool. I mean, I love a little mystery. What can I say? <laughs> so how's the event been for you? Has it been a fruitful weekend? It's been so good. It is, like I said, it's my first Comic-Con, and I wasn't expecting anyone to come see me, but um, people have been coming, and it's been so lovely. They've all had lovely things to say about Dr. Afra, and just, it's been great. Afra, it's, it's been going for a few years. It's on volume two. You've been on the issue for, how long have you been on Afra for now? Oh, geez. Uh, I've been on since the start of volume one, which is, I want to say it launched in 2020. Yes. Uh, May the 4th, 2020. That was it. And are you still enjoying it? I mean, there's a lot of story. A lot of ground's been covered already. We've got, as you mentioned earlier on the panel, we've got the whole Spark Eternal storyline going on, which is increasingly interesting as it develops and goes on. You must be buzzing with what you've got to play with now. Yes, I, uh, I love it. I love Afra, and I love weird archaeology. So... Um, getting the chance to do more of that. Um, Lucasfilm has been really encouraging and they've just been so willing to let me make up all kinds of strange stuff. Um, so the Ascendant, the Spark Eternal, all of that stuff is brand new and it's been crazy. I'm just, I'm having a great time is what I'm saying. So one of the key components of Afro as a character is when, when it started when Kieran Gillen was working on the doll, it had that Indiana Jones vibe. He threw all the little, the, the archangel, all the little yeah. quirky things in. Yeah. And that's become such a key part of the character. You've just kind of said it, so I'm, I'm asking the question you've already answered in a way, but you, can't, you dig that archaeological aspect of the character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, every time, I was going to say, every time we get to pitch a new arc, I'm always like, let's get weird. Let's do weird artifacts. Let's go on some weird, like, Indiana Jones adventure. And, I mean, it's my favorite thing. So, I love it. And creating new mythology, creating new scenarios, situations, planets, loads of new planets. Yeah. It's all part of the Star Wars mythos that other authors 10 years down the line might visit a planet that you created. That must be a buzz. That is crazy. Like, the idea of people using the stuff that I'm building is amazing. And, like, without giving you any spoilers, um, I will say there is some stuff in the Afro comics that is might pop up in some of the other books uh, very soon. So, yeah. so that's something to definitely look forward to. Obviously, in terms of representation, Afro is a very important comic. Clearly, that's important to you as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Afro is incredible. I mean, she's she's such an interesting full character. She is, uh, you know, I mean, she's Asian. She's queer. She's a woman. She also doesn't have to be good or like a paragon of like moral behavior. So. I love that she's a disaster person who's just a hot mess inside, and I personally find that very relatable. But um, I think the cool thing about writing this book, too, has been the chance to create all these new characters, and like our cast is pretty much all queer, um, and that's so special. Um, I love it. And 
earlier on in the panel, you were asked to describe, you know, what, what character, and you said Jawa, and explain why that just so lines up, the way you describe that so lines up with what Shelley's about, it really made me smile. Yeah, I, I love, I was gonna say, I love Jawas because they are little trash animals, and I am also a desert trash animal. Um, but if you were to ask me which character in Dr. Afra um, I think I relate to the most, uh, is actually probably just Lucky. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's very loyal to his family and he's very put upon. Um, and I don't know, his, his sense of humor is secretly my sense of humor, but filtered through like kind of moody boy. So, yeah. And Afra's not the only thing you've got going on. Can you let our listeners know what else you've got on at the moment? Of course. Uh, so I have, um, I just wrapped up a run of Iron Fist. Um, and uh, that's been really great. We've got a brand new Iron Fist who's taking on the mantle, and that's exciting. Danny Rand is still around, um, and he's involved in the story. We have to read to find out how. Um, and my first issue of my brand new Deadpool run, uh, which is an ongoing with Martin Cocolo, uh, colored by Niraj Manon, um, is launching next month, November 2nd. So when the recent announcement of Hugh Jammer coming back as Wolverine and we're getting Deadpool 3, we knew we were getting Deadpool 3, you must have been jumping up and down on your sofa. Oh my God, I was so excited. I, I'm so happy. Um, this is, I don't think I've ever told anyone this before, but um, when I'm writing Deadpool, um, I read all my dialogue aloud as I, as I write it. And as, when I'm writing Deadpool, his voice in my head is this like horrible unholy mix of me and Ryan Reynolds, which is... It's bizarre and it's great. And I'm sorry for anyone who... <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for Deadpool. It's going to be fun. It's going to be weird. And it's going to be gross and romantic. So it's my favorite. Awesome. You've got a lot on your plate. We really appreciate you giving us some of your time. Hope you enjoy the rest of the con. It's nearly finished. It's Sunday now. But thanks for all your time. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for swinging by. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of Cannon Fodder. For more Star Wars podcast content, be sure to subscribe to Fanthatax Radio on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe to all our social media at links.fanthatax.com. Be sure to be checking out fanthatax.com daily for all your latest Star Wars news. And you can also join us live on YouTube for Good Morning Tatooine every Sunday evening at youtube.com forward slash TV. Coming up next on Fantha Tracks Radio, it's Collecting Tracks. Um, thanks. Yay. <laughs>